Anybody can start a company, but may not know where to begin. Join me, Stephen Beck, on my journey to uncover the tools needed to start your own business. Hear how founders started their establishment and expose their roadmap to success. Let's get started. Jake Edlin, welcome to the Business Breakdown. What's up, man? It's good to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah, of course. Well, let's get started, and if you could give a little bit of background on what you do in the e-commerce realm. Uh, yeah, so, uh, I dropped the pen. Yeah, so it's actually, um, I do two main things. I do digital marketing infrastructure, so that being, you know, the back end of like sales website stuff, um, anything from, you know, you know, product imagery, all the way up to sales channel development, um, sales funnel development, email marketing, anything like that. I have experience doing literally everything um, that has to deal with digital infrastructure. And then I also do um, logistics for e-commerce being anything from shipping an order to a customer all the way to shipping containers across the ocean from a manufacturer. Um, I've done all that kind of stuff. And so um, my current role is I am the domestic shipping and logistics director for an e-commerce brand, um, and I also do digital digital marketing uh, infrastructure and um, e-commerce strategy for them. Um, so if you check me out on LinkedIn, I mean you'll you'll find it'll say, you know, e-commerce logistics and digital marketing strategist. I think is my tagline right now on on LinkedIn. And um, but yeah, that's kind of what I do. That's my background right now. Um, I have about a I think about a six or seven year kind of current running background in business. Um, you know, I started my my first business when I think I was 19, 19 or 20. Me and some friends got together in school. Um, we started a, a company called Heal Human Energy Alliance Laboratories Corporation. It was uh, pretty rad. You know, it was a just kind of a beginner business. Um, you know, and I just invested, I, I put up capital and we, we just did some stuff. You know, we did, I think it was green uh, electronic DIY kits, I think is, is really core, the core of what we did. And, you know, we built it up and I think we finally exited for, you know, mid six figures, somewhere like that. Um, and it was kind of a super cool experience. I learned a lot about, you know, SWOT and, you know, just different analysis and stuff like that. I mean, I was mainly a, a silent holder, shareholder of it, but I was involved with a little bit of the business aspects, and um, it was pretty cool to like exit a business at 21, you know. Um, but currently, I, I work within e-commerce um, for an extremely large um, Amazon-based brand. Um, so we're a third-party seller on Amazon, and um, currently. I think we're in the top three percent of all third-party Amazon sellers in the on Amazon. Wow, um, we're a multinational seller. We sell in, I think, thirteen different countries now. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I do. No, that's awesome. I appreciate you sharing that. With the e-commerce side of things, what are some of the different platforms that are? maybe more advantageous that you guys use or at least see the highest results from? Sure, so that's super easy to answer. Um, anything that you do for yourself is the easiest to use. So for instance, um, if you own, say you own a brand, you started a brand, 
Um, for example, I think some of your previous guests, Cassie and Scotty, both own their own brands, right? King Status and Jerome Jewelry. Yeah. So, for instance, if you own your own brand, um, it's super advantageous to do something like Scotty was talking about on big commerce or to just do a Shopify store, something that's going to charge you minimal fees and give most direct contact to your customer. Um, and also to give the, the highest rate of like variability over your product, your supply chain, and anything else in between when, when it comes to your product and selling it to a customer. So any, any platform like BigCommerce, WooCommerce, Shopify, I think WordPress even has their own e-commerce now. I know yeah. Webflow is developing their own e-commerce. Any shopping cart you choose, I think that that's really the most advantageous platform. You know, build your brand from the ground up and go into it with a mentality of like, hey, I'm going to build a brand, not I'm going to build, you know, a company and whatever. You know, I'm going to, oh, I'm going to try to sell this one product. You know, really try to put a brand behind it. And that's what's going to make you perform on that kind of platform. Yeah. What, what do you normally utilize in regards to the e-commerce to maybe get exposure? Oh, my God. You can do anything you want. I mean, um, definitely the number one marketing method is always going to be word of mouth. You can't beat it. You yeah. can't. Nothing you can do. Um, right now, though, <clears throat> with what we do, um, the company I work for, we do everything from email marketing, ads, um, you know, literally anything you can think of. We were invested in buying, uh, you know, some buying, selling pages, um, you know, deals pages like uh, Scotty was talking about. He's in some car pages on on Facebook, stuff like that. We, we have, you know, tendrils out everywhere um, to do just multi-platform marketing. And that's really what it is. It's multi-platform. You know, if you're hitting, if you're hitting all of, your KPIs and a good average threshold across email marketing, you know, trying word of mouth, doing all sorts of um, <clears throat> different things like that, you know, even something as simple as like having an insert in your product that says, hey, you know, do this to, or, you know, tell us what you think, or hey, this is our warranty or whatever, you know, anything that's like a direct to consumer marketing or some form of, um, you know, marketing in that aspect is great. The only things that I would really stay away from is like, you know, mail marketing, like where you're trying to like send postcards out or like, you know, print marketing is kind of like, it depends on the niche, but I would say for most, you know, e-commerce businesses, it's not really, the, the ROI is just not there. So when it comes to maybe paid advertisement, are there platforms that you're utilizing? Like, let's just use Shopify for an example. Like let's say you're using a platform like Shopify that has a variety of different plug and play options on the actual website where you can not only customize, but it gives you the ability to maybe get more exposure because you're then able to pay a certain fee that then generates the capability of it being able to be seen by other individuals, maybe related to a certain market, depending on how you're strategizing that. Yeah, so that's a that's a great topic, um, you know, and obviously you could probably do a whole podcast on just, you know, where should I run ads? Because honestly, the sky's the limit. You can do really anything you want. Um, what I would say, though, like, so for example, if we have a brand and it's called, you know, like Jake's Bags or whatever, just, just for example's sake, right? And we sell super dope totes, right? Like, 
you know, supreme level cool totes, right? Most of our marketing is going to come from, oh, that's really rad. You know, my buddy Steven, right, went and bought this bag and it's super sick. Now I want one, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's where most of your marketing with some brands like that are going to come from. And those obviously in like textiles and different, you know, accessory niches and things like that. That's where you're going to get some of your marketing. But like what you're saying is like, hey, I have a shop, I have a Shopify store. Um, and I'm really looking to get traffic, right? Because traffic is king. Traffic is what's going to drive conversion. Conversion drives sales, and that's how you make money, right? So <clears throat> when you're looking at different ad platforms for the example Jake's Bags, right? You have two real main options. Your options are Facebook ads and Google ads, right? And we all know that, like, obviously you can run ads depending on your niche. You could run Pinterest ads. You could run you know, headline ads on Amazon, you could run um, Amazon marketing services ads, you could run all sorts of different ads, right? There's platforms on platforms on platforms, you know what I mean? Um, but my main thing would be, so if you're starting out, you have your company, you have Jake's bag, you're like, cool, I've got $500 a month that I can just rip into ads, right? What you're going to want to do is you're going to sit down and you're going to want to take a good, like, snapshot of your analytics of like what is happening on your site now. Make sure you're running Google Analytics. You've got global site tag running on your site. You have that all plugged in so you know what all your data looks like, who's looking at your store, you know, how it's relevant, everything else. And then honestly, start with something super simple. Run a text, just run a text ad. You know, just run a super simple text ad on Google Ads and see how it performs. You know, like right now I have text ads that perform in, you know, sub 16% ACOS. Wow. Which is just like, yeah. right? So it's like, um, it, it's stuff like that. Like just start somewhere simple. And then like that kind of, that can kind of like roll into like the whole thing of e-commerce, which is just start, you know? Yeah, well, I have so many questions from different things that you actually brought up. First one would be, do you recommend Google Analytics? There's a lot of different analytic companies out Just there. Just do it. Just do it. Yeah. It's the best. It's king. It, it will it will literally give you anything you want to know. All the data that obviously with scary, the different traffic. Scary data. Yeah. Like all sorts of different stuff, all that. Yeah. Well, with the Google Analytics, are there any particular trackers that you're mostly looking at? Because I, I think when I look at Google Analytics, which is such a great tool, the thing that can sometimes be overwhelming for me are the fact that there's so many different options on there. And sometimes it's easy to at least start out and be like, well, maybe these are the first two or three things I should follow. And then as you progress and get more experience with the actual Google Analytics, you can then tailor different things based off of the progression of, I guess, your learning curve with it. Right. If that makes sense. Like you just have to see what your insights are. You know what I mean? And you have to say, okay, where is the conversion in my business that's going to directly correlate to either, you know, my business goals, which is expansion or, you know, coverage or, you know, domination in a market or, you know, whatever your business goal is in that regard. Or, you know, is my business goal strictly profit? Like, am I strictly looking at conversion, profit, pocket, money, right? Like, you know, so you have to look at things like that. And then <clears throat> once you figure out your, like, your, your big goal, right, which is either, you know, profit on conversion or 
um, you know, expansion or some other sub goal. Because, I mean, I would say that profit, I, I, I'll rephrase. I would say that profit is usually the number one driving force of being a business. Like, you know, like otherwise you wouldn't own a business, right? There's no point. So um, <clears throat> I would say probably you look at, okay, this is, this is what I want for profit. And this is, you know, my goal of where I want to be in six months. What KPI, you know, key point indicator, or what insight, or what, you know, what part of this right now stands out, you know, to me saying, oh, you know, the, these people, these are the people who buy our stuff most, or, you know, this age demographic buys our stuff most, or this geological demographic buys our stuff most, market to that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, I think that's such a good point. Even just looking at the analytics from the podcast from when I first started, mm -hmm. you know, I'm noticing the different traffic of the people that are watching it. Um, just in the age bracket, it's roughly between 20 to 30 years old is the highest number of yeah. viewers. Um, that also gives me like the time of day and when people are watching the most. And I actually... Um, there's a significantly more amount of males that watch it than females. So it's cool that it gives you all the data. So it's when I maybe go to decide if I'm going to use some sort of paid advertisement, I can go, well, I'm going to tailor now that I know these different things, I'm going to tailor this advertisement to the individuals mm -hmm. that are obviously watching or listening, excuse, excuse me, to the podcast. Right. Um, you brought up that, you brought up Google Ads which I want to talk about as well. So are you talking about like WordPress? Uh, okay, so WordPress is actually a development uh, platform for websites. Um, WordPress also does a lot of other stuff and plugins. And, you know, it's one of the, the OG web builder at home sites. I personally hate, hate WordPress, like a passion. I've built so many web pages and everything else. But... Um, yeah, I, I, I don't like WordPress, but Google Ads. Um, what's cool about the Google, the Google, I, I don't know what you would call it, the, the Google marketing platform. marketing platform in general is you have analytics that ties into Google Ads that you can tie to a G Suite account that can be your login for your web design portal, and you can also buy your domain from Google Domains. They've vertically integrated to the point now where if you want to run a business and you just want to slay it, as a one-man band and just go full send like that's what you do you know and they have the traffic that's the thing they have the browser they have the traffic they have you know all the data everything yeah and I know we've talked about Shopify so I just want to bring that up real quick there's been a lot of people that have had quote-unquote overnight success because they've utilized places or manufacturing websites, let's say Alibaba or AliExpress, where they can sit there and sell in bulk. And let's even use AliExpress for an example. You don't even have to sit there and have the inventory sitting in, whether it be your shop, your office, or however you drop are deciding ship to ship that up. Yep, it's a drop yep. shipping, which is crazy, because at that point, their success is primarily based off of their ability to market. Exactly. So that's what dropshipping really boils down to is how good can I market this to this sub demographic and get them to convert without my extreme capital investment, right? Mm -hmm. It's minimize my risk, minimize my capital investment and deliver a product that will make the customer happy but not necessarily develop a brand. 
That's why I said in the beginning, sometimes your goals can be profit and loss, strictly conversion, which would be like a drop shipping thing, or like how Scotty's building King status, right? Where he's going and he's doing the work, he's figuring out manufacturing, he wants to develop a product that is to his specification, strictly his brand, putting his character, his brand on that product, right? Yeah. So there's two, that's why I say there's two kind of like nodes when it comes to like doing business. Um, and that's a very good point. Drop shipping, you know, and drop shipping is something that we as a brand, like where I work, that we deal with is, is part of fraud, really. I mean, because what can happen is, is people can be, you know, for instance, we had um, some listings on walmart.com, which is going to be the next Amazon, just watch. Um, <clears throat> my little tidbit if you want to be good <laughs> if you want to make money learn how to sell stuff on walmart.com real well right now so a third party you can sell things on oh, walmart.com yeah. okay. full send yeah you can be your own brand and sell your product on walmart.com all you need is a upc code a price and um like one other thing i can't remember exactly what it is but it, it's part of like the core listing whatever there's, there's, see, that's another thing that I do at work is I, I work on a lot of the Walmart listings and I've, I've done a lot of like listings things and yada, yada, yada. So, I mean, like anything e-commerce, yeah. I've done at least 10 times probably. So out of curiosity with something like Walmart and, mm -hmm. you know, you being third party and wanting to sell product on their website, do they have, I know you're talking about some of the spe uh, specifications you need to be able to be mm -hmm. able to sell on the website. Is there like certain limits no, I wouldn't say limits is there an expectation on the amount of product you have before you're able to market on the website because I guess what if there's a variety of people that want it and it's just what sold out the whole time I guess you have that on places like Amazon but I guess that just is one of the first things that come to mind on maybe a problem they may have with third-party sellers on the website yeah so like for instance like if you you have to meet a certain threshold of sales before they allow you to sell on their platform is that what you're asking yeah 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 okay so i mean i think there is a couple things like that maybe now as there becomes more competition in their in their in their space but i mean anybody can sell stuff on anything man you know what i mean and and to be completely honest like if you were a smart person and you were developing something like a product or anything to sell you're gonna make your own shopify store you're gonna you know, sell that product on your Shopify store because you know the traffic, you ran ads on your own data that came from your website, your Instagram, your whatever, for your Shopify store to sell your product. I mean, the more control you have, right, is totally worth paying that 3% commission fee to Shopify yeah. comparing, compared to sending, to paying, for instance, with Amazon FBA, you pay a 15% referral fee plus pick and pack plus storage fees, this fee, that fee, blah, blah, blah. And like, to be completely honest, at this point, there's absolutely no way without an huge, you know, high six, maybe seven figure capital investment that you will ever be successful as a third party seller on Amazon. Unless you have a completely revolutionary product where you took an old product and made it so good that it just became extremely popular or you took an existing product and you reinvented the wheel just enough to make it extremely popular. Those are the only two ways that you're really going to be successful with how their algorithm works. Yeah. 
you know. Well, and there's and two things like I wanted to touch on that. I, I think you're right with the Spotify aspect. Also, with Shop or with excuse Shopify? me, yeah, Spotify. Shopify aspect because yeah. they really take the risk off of the individual who's running the website in the sense that they take on the responsibilities of all the different payments that are coming through the website. So you don't have to sit here and necessarily come up with. Which is totally worth the 3% referral. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, yeah. And I don't know if you're familiar with this, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but they do hold a percentage of the sales until some sort of finalization. I don't know at that time. I don't so know if it's get, like a 30 you get day paid process. Out, you get paid out once a month from Shopify. Yeah. It's on the first of the month. They pay you one time a month and what they do is they hold your entire capital or your entire, your, your cash flow, right? All, all of your profit. Your Technically, it's your, your gross profit, but I mean, they have a lot of little things that they put into their listings and your back end and stuff where you can work out what your net profit kind of is, shipping and blah, 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 and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, they'll hold your, they hold on to your money until like the first of the month, but they're never going to keep that money from you. Yeah. Like they can't. That's illegal that they would get shut down tomorrow. Yeah. You know? I, I guess I bring that up in the <clears throat> sense that when you're starting out in a business or if you are smaller production, it's really hard because you're limited on capital and if you're sitting there to get paid once a month. I know that's just an aspect Cash flow is that king, can be dude. really hard. Cash flow is king. So for instance, right now for the company that I work for, we, you know, even as a semi-large, you know, business run into cash flow problems. I mean, you, you look at it this way, especially with COVID. I mean, not to bring that up in a podcast, but like, you know, you have all these people at home shopping online. You have online, the, the entire, you know, e-commerce went from 17% of the retail market to 38% of the retail market, right? Yeah, that's a lot. Just a rapid expansion, right? You have all of this stuff happening. And you look at it and you say, okay, well, you know, with all this rapid expansion, I need to, I need to order more inventory to meet sales, right? So to me, that, that money that's there, that bread's on the table, I want to taste, right? You like, I, I want, because if I don't do it now, I leave money on the table. Like, it's like, you know, there's some mistakes where you can make it, like at the level we play at, where you leave $700,000 on the table in one month. Yeah. Because you don't have the product to sell and you aren't where you need to be. And everything like that, you know what I mean? Well, so that's why cash flow is king. So you have to know your cycle, know your production cycle, always be optimizing. You know, there's three things that I got taught by a guy who's a mentor to me, which I want to touch on mentors later in the episode here, but uh, who's a mentor to me who taught me there's only three things you need to be successful in business, and it's optimization, simplicity, and efficiency. Those are the only three things. And so if you constantly look at your business and I'm talking every day find one thing that can be more optimized more efficient more simplified with procedures written out like whatever it is for you and your business you will be way more successful than anybody who operates in your space I 100% agree even you know in my line of work having yeah. formatting you know on the steps of the procedures of whatever task you're getting done. Mm -hmm. If you can sit there and replicate that, not only for yourself, but other people that are, you know, working around you, it just makes everything that much more simplified. Always work yourself out of a job. Make it, make it, make it so efficient that you, you can hand it to someone else tomorrow and they can do it. 
because what that's going to do is a that's going to give you the ability to expand your business and b that's going to give you the ability to sell your business that's going to give you the ability to you know grow yeah. you know well so, i also want to touch on one of the benefits too with the people that I have working around me. There's a lot of things I know, but there's a lot of things I don't know as well. So mm -hmm. we have a really open system where it's like, what is the fastest way that you get this task done? And we kind of help each other out. So it's really great because- Are you talking about within like, for instance, with your business, with your franchise? Or well, I'm talking, talking about, about with, I'm talking about with my insurance business. Right. So yeah. there's different things. There's a lot of different tools that you can utilize on mm -hmm. the actual website that we run off of mm -hmm. when it comes to doing the different types of insurance that we offer right and there's sometimes when you're whether it be servicing signing up a new account trying to figure out maybe some sort of legal coverage mm -hmm. there's a lot of things that play into it and you just want to make sure that you're using your time the best as possible so mm -hmm. having people that you can learn off of is really helpful right. you know why not try and lower your or, learning or, curve? or even have like a community of people like for you you have more senior agents right mm -hmm. and like for me I have well you know I guess there's there's bigger sellers you know like yeah. I got real humbled so I'm gonna tell you a story so I got real humbled the other day um, we're currently looking at expanding into a bigger space um, I before the episode, we had you know a little bit of uh, back and forth about just kind of where we're at and whatever. And um, I mentioned to you that we're we're actually looking for a bigger commercial space for the business that I work for currently, right? Um, and we walked into a twenty thousand square foot facility, right? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like I know how many orders that we do a day between all of our different all of our different you know channels, all of our different whatever, right? Because I'm domestic shipping, so obviously. You know, I, I know how many orders we do, right? Walk into this place and the guy tells me, he's like, oh yeah, we're, we're actually a fulfillment company, blah, 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 blah. We're moving to this this and this facility. He Their new facility is gonna be a 50,000 square foot facility. Wow. Think about that for a second. You know, you're, you're like, okay, that's like giant building, right? Yeah. And, uh, but actually, uh, he's like, yeah, we, we do actually between 15 and 20,000 orders a day. And I was just like, you know, yeah. just thinking about the sheer mass that moves for that, you know what I mean? But um, anyways, yeah, that's that's my story is, you know, there's always a bigger fish, right? Just like Qui-Gon tells Jar Jar, there's always a bigger fish, right? Super nerd reference, don't care. Which means there's always somebody who's either at your level or higher than you. So it's it, it kind of brings it full circle to when you're... When you're thinking about, okay, you know, I just told you I wanted to touch on mentors, so we're going to go with that. One of the biggest things for me is, like, when I joined the company I work for now, I came from a previous position that actually got eliminated at the business that I was working at because it was no longer seen as needed, which it was obviously needed because I did a job, right? Um, but when I started working at the company I work for now, I was like, wow, these guys know some shit, right? Like they got they got ideas and they know some shit about like how to do this, that, and the other thing. And so you just start progressively learning little pieces and little things and you get more tasks and you get more responsibility. And eventually you become the director of domestic, like the director of like domestic logistics and you're doing all this different stuff. Like I have this inside joke with one of my coworkers that my job title really should be special projects team lead because 
there is no way to define what I do because I do so many things, you know what I mean? But at the same time, the only way that I was able to like ascertain that level of, of accomplishment or that level of knowledge was by taking myself from a position where I was put in a box by a corporation, right, to now where I work with a team of people that it's like, you know, it's, it, it's, it's like going into the lion's den and coming out as, you know, the leader of the pride, right? Like you, you have to, you, you, you raise up to the level and then you find your next level of people and you raise up to that next level. And I think that that's kind of like how mentorship has helped me with like what I do. And that's like the biggest thing that I've learned in the business that I work in now. Nice. Yeah. No, I think it's huge having a mentor. I'll reference a couple different mentors that I've had. First one is the gentleman that actually got me into surgical sales. Mm -hmm. I was in a small business entrepreneurship class and mm -hmm. we would have special guests that would come in that were business owners and they would touch on their achievements and how they got started in their industry. Well, this gentleman came in and he'd owned, you know, at that time he owned like eight different companies and his most profitable company was his surgical sales company. And just during it, I was just very engaging, asking him a lot of questions. And I didn't know necessarily at the end of college what I wanted to do. But during that class, I was like, I want to be that guy. So I got his contact information and I kept, you know, very persistently calling him, emailing him, asking for a job opportunity. He eventually gave me a three month non-paying internship to just see, you know, kind of how I would fit in. And I just kind of did anything that he was willing to pretty much give me as far as a task. And he finally gave me a position where I was repping for him in Northern Idaho, Eastern Washington. And I really hit the pavement. So with that process, I ended up going out. One of the different things that we offered was Nano Health, which is this uh, pretty much cooling pack. And I would go around to all the different ortho surgeons and all the different uh, physical therapists presenting and whatnot. And just for me sticking in it for about seven months, he eventually was like, this guy is a grinder. And he ended up getting me the position that I had with a company called Exact Tech, which led into me representing total joints. So the difference there was I was then representing whatever orthopedic surgeons that I had as far as for my clientele. And I would then go into the different surgeries and provide the instruments and the implants and things mm -hmm. of that nature. But if it wasn't for that mentor that I learned a lot from that gave me the different opportunities that taught me the different things that I didn't know, there's no way, way there's no way I would have been able to progress right. to the well, and, I level mean, I it's did. It's not always all mentors, right? Like you gotta be hungry, right? Yeah. Like you gotta wanna smell blood in the water, right? Like you, I think a big part of it, you know, especially with I mean, I'm not going to bring different generations into this, but like, especially, you know, just with how things are right now, um, like there's, sometimes it's hard to be seen as a hardworking person or a person that wants it or, um, you know, this and that. And that's, you know, you just never let yourself be discounted, never get down on yourself about your accomplishment and always push for more. And you know, that's, that's half the battle. It's like, just get out there and do it and don't, don't think five times about it and then get stalled out and don't do anything. Or, you know, it's just like Scotty said in that episode, it, it was like one of the best parts of what he said was he was like, 
you know, there's so many people that I know, so many friends that I have that have ideas, and I tell them to go do it, and they just don't. Yeah. It's, dad, I was like, that's the shit. Yeah. Like, that's it. And I think that's when I texted you, and I was like, hey, you should have a podcast, because <laughs> I got some shit. Yeah, no, so. that's awesome. Well, let's bounce back over um, to some of the different things that you're doing in the e-commerce. When it comes to the different shipments that you're talking about that you're dealing with, do you deal with any of the actual manufacturers overseas? Oh, yeah. We have 10 different ones. No, and that was what I was going to ask because I think with someone that maybe wants to get started, there's a difference, and I'll use this for reference, is that like when you're on a website like AliExpress, you're sitting there buying from the manufacturer on the website, you're drop shipping it, you technically aren't actually holding any inventory. Mm -hmm. But let's use the difference of like Alibaba. You can sit there and just buy in bulk from the different manufacturers, store it, and then resell it, package it. But then there's also the difference of maybe you want to go overseas, meet with a manufacturer because you want to develop something. Let's use Scotty Hop for an example Mm because he's sitting there. 3D printing his shift knobs and mm-hmm. different merchandise. Well, let's say you wanted to go over and start, you know, producing shift knobs or something of that nature. Sure. And you want to make sure that you have a good manufacturer that's going to sit there and produce it. Well, there's different contracts and things of that nature that they have in place that you want to make sure this is a good manufacturer and you know, oh, once yeah. you're in contract and you have no defects and you exactly. get Exactly. So, here's here's the rub. So, um you got to get yourself a person on the ground. We have a person on the ground for us, um, and she does QC. She does packaging. She does this. She does that. She does pack list. She does, you know, uh, she, she helps with some of our um, inner country transport and our manufacturing companies, or countries, excuse me. Um, things just, you know, like we need a boots on the ground person. That's yeah. our person. So that's what we've done to solve the problem now there's a bunch of different things you can do I mean you can hire VAs you can do this you can do that whatever whatever Um, every manufacturer is gonna send you samples doesn't matter right doesn't matter what step of the development process you're in doesn't matter they'll send you samples what manufacturers really want is well like big clients right and you so then to to be like a good client a bigger bigger client you have to have a customized product right for instance like your logo is printed on something it's like okay cool if your logo is debossed in something so it's actually physically on the product totally different ball game you know for instance if you do something in plastics or silicone you know you're looking at different molding fees things like that and if you're willing to pay molding fees you know, some manufacturers will pay molding fees. Some manufacturers will do this or that or whatever. But the biggest thing is be willing to, you know, get out there, find a manufacturer, develop a relationship, get samples, develop a product, make sure that product's a spec, order samples of the product, quality control your inventory when it gets here. You know what I mean? Things like that. And and that's why the drop shipping, the drop shipping lifestyle or you know, the drop shipping method is arguably unsustainable at scale because you, yes, you can scale it. Yes, you can have people do it. Yes, you can build a click funnel and have everybody go through your click funnel and all that stuff. And sure, yeah, you can make, you know, millions of dollars and that's great. But like, if you're trying to build a brand and you're trying to build a product and you're trying to build a business, you can exit for seven figures, then you're going to want to do things like Find a manufacturer that's willing to work with you on molds. Find a manufacturer that's willing to take 20% deposits and 80% on delivered balances or, you know, 15% deposits and, 
you know, 85% delivered balances, 60% of that, 60 days after, you know, the arrival of your inventory. Work terms, you know, like work terms with your manufacturer. Or if you're also looking into manufacturing and stuff like that, find the manufacturer that's, that's, a, that's your, your, uh, you're either a big fish when you're actually a small company, you want to be the big fish to the manufacturer. When you're the big company, you want to be the small fish to the manufacturer because you're going to like run into issues with supply and demand and supply chain and things like that. And, you know, like for instance, like if you jump from ordering, you know, maybe 500 to 600 of this product a month and then, you know, say the same time the next year, you're ordering 1,800 to 3,200 of that product a month or whatever your turn is you know if you've got like a 120 day turn when it comes to order order to arrival or you know whatever um you you have to think about okay well how big am i to the manufacturer i'm talking to and how's that gonna benefit me the most you know what i mean yeah they're in like the world of manufacturing uh negotiations and manufacturing uh relationships and everything else with even even as simple as, you know, like, say you make, like, some super dope, like, AirPod case or some shit, right? Like, your your relationship with your manufacturer for that probably plastic or silicone AirPod case, I mean, is going to determine how well your supply chain operates. And if your supply chain shuts down and you're shit out of luck and you don't have any, like, any inventory... I mean, that's a problem, right? So you're gonna wanna make sure that that relationship with your manufacturer is on point and you've you know, gone through all sorts of stuff. And so to come full circle, like when it comes to being like a seller, this is how some of, some of the good, the good people, not the like douchey buy my course people, but some of the good people who try to mentor online sellers or people interested in online businesses that's how some of the good people mentor people, right? And some of the good communities work together, the good communities of sellers is, hey, I'm trying to do this with my manufacturer, have any ideas, you know, blah, 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 or, you know, whatever, you know? But that's that's like the mark of like, if you're interested in finding a course or a mentor or whatever, people who promote communities of helpfulness between sellers are the people that you wanna like be like, okay, you know, these these are good people, not just the people that are like, buy my course, I know all this, and here's my Lambo, and, you know, everything else. Yeah. But No, I hear you. I think you brought up a good point when it comes to the whole manufacturing aspect, is yeah. that if you want to pay less, you have to buy more in bulk. The more you right. buy, the cheaper the product becomes. The more you buy, the cheaper it is, the better the terms are. I mean, and it, and it all boils down to that relationship, right? Mm-hmm. How vested are you into the product they're making for you, right? Yeah. If you're hella vested, they're going to give you super cut rate. If you're like, eh, I, you know, it's cool, but like, I'm, I, I don't really know if I'm going to sell like a hundred of them. Like, then why the fuck would they want to be out there, you know, making your product when they could have somebody else who's way more vested in that than, than you are. Yeah. Right. Um, I wanted to bounce over to a different aspect of marketing. Do you deal firsthand with like reaching out with any sort of like influencers? So I have a really crass opinion about influencers and it's not to say that they're not important 
or they don't they don't promote good or they don't you know whatever my problem with influences are is that more often than not they're out there for them not for your product no of right? course but so so that being said if if you so for instance like if you give an influencer you know like if you've got this super gangster water bottle right and you have this influencer who's going to you know throw up a 20% off coupon code drive traffic to your site blah 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 you end up spending all this money to meet with this influencer you spend all this time to set up a relationship you're super invested right but there's no return that's why I don't like influencers yeah like when you send them all the product in the world you put all this shit behind them and then they just yeah fall on their face when I was doing a bit of research when it came to hiring an influencer whether that be a certain page on Instagram Facebook what have you what I was kind of looking at was the fact that you could for X amount of money sit there and they will run or promote whatever you had that you were wanting them to promote. Oh, dude, you can buy everything from a post to a story to a person's week to, you know, it just depends on how much you want to spend. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's kind of like all bets are off how much money you're going to throw down, right? Yeah. And some influencers are like, yo, it's going to be, it's going to be $80 for, uh, you know, a 24-hour story picture. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then some influencers are like, "Oh yeah, it's two grand a post." Right. Yeah. Or podcasts. Right. Some people are like, "Oh yeah, it's a thousand dollars for an ad in my show." Yeah. For one show. You know. So it just depends. It's like how much is how much is their base aligning with your Google Analytics data to drive conversion because their base is such a percentage that will convert if you give them this amount of discount or this amount of, you know, you know, uh, interest or, or product or whatever to push, right? Yeah. You know? I, I definitely think that influencers or at least utilizing influencers for marketing is, a, is very interesting. But at the same mm -hmm. time, I do think that people are scaling away from watching TV all the time. Oh my God, even, yeah, even, you, know. you know. What more, or looking at at least people in our age bracket, I mean, we're on our phones quite a bit throughout the days, mm -hmm. whether that be on social media. Even business, like you know, emails, Yeah. you do on the fly, like your lunch break is no longer like, let me sit and read a paper, let me sit and just relax and eat a meal. It's, oh, I'm doing emails and writing out this writing out this, you know, performance report while I'm going to eat my lunch over my keyboard. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, like, and we're the first generation that's been in front of a screen since kindergarten, right? So, like, being that, you know, in the, let's say, the mid-90s to, you know, maybe 98, like, we were the first generation that went to a computer class in first grade. Yeah. Or, you know, so we've been in front of screens our whole life, so... I mean, you know, to say that influencers are relevant, yeah, of course they're relevant. You know what I mean? Like, if uh, Diesel, the Diesel Brothers, right? If they both go buy Cordova coolers, which are made in Idaho, you best believe Cordova is going to get run for like thousands of orders just because. 
they posted about a Cordova cooler because people are going to be like, oh, I love the Diesel Brothers. The cooler looks sick. I'm going to go check it out. I want to buy one. Right? Yeah. So that's how influence. That's how influencers influence. Right? I know, and that's what I was saying. I know you're not maybe the biggest fan of them. I just, not to say that that would be the only type of marketing that I would utilize, but it does mm-hmm. seem to have some sort of effect. Oh, it definitely does. And I think there's a really relevant argument to be made against my opinion. And I've formed my opinion that I currently have that obviously it can change. Like, yeah. I'm not saying it's like, but the opinion I have now is because I've personally, when I've tried to do things with influencers, been burned so many times yeah that it's like to me it's like it's pointless because there's no ROI on your investment yeah well I was gonna ask you what's like maybe a way you approach an influencer is it just primarily hey I want to use you as an influencer what's your rates and then you negotiate from there or what does maybe the conversation it's kind of like I don't know man to me it's it's you know, there's people that are very upfront businessy, and then there's people that are like, oh, I gotta check his vibe. Like, I gotta see like what that company's about. Like, are they cool? Or are they not cool? Like, so, you know, look at the influencers that are most down with who buys your product the most, right? And then look at, you know, look at how they interact with their community. Do your research, do their do your diligence because all the their life's out there for the public to see. So do your research and then approach them in a way that you think they will respond the way you want them to. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, I wanted to bounce over and talk about just algorithms as a whole. And sure. it's kind of a loaded question because you can't just sit here and say, well, how does the algorithm work nobody on this knows. platform? Because it's, yeah, well, not really only knows. that, but it's different on every platform yeah. that you utilize. Every, but is there maybe a platform that you're most familiar with and maybe know how to somewhat manipulate? Sure, yeah. Um, I the, can't really talk about a lot of practices that I know of for um, business on different platforms like that. Like I've signed a couple NDAs, so there's not a lot I can say. But um, when I tell you use Shopify, and when I tell you do direct-to-consumer marketing, and when I tell you do direct-to-consumer order fulfillment, it's because you have full control over your sales. Yeah. And you don't have to deal with an algorithm and you don't have to pay referral fees. You don't have to deal with bullshit from these companies that they just rake sellers over the coals time and time again. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so to answer your question is like, is there ways to manipulate algorithms? Yes, of course. There's ways to manipulate algorithms. Is it fully worth it? Nah. I mean, you know, it's kind of like paying a credit card with a credit card, right? Like you're, you're, you're paying something off and you're happy, but it's, you're still going to pay for it somehow. Right. Yeah. So, um, and some most more often than not, it's illegal to do that. <laughs> so, well, and I guess what I mean by, yeah. by manipulating the algorithm is the fact that let's just use Facebook for an example. Let's say you create some sort of post mm-hmm. and you're paying, let's say a hundred dollars for it to run five days, just to use an example. And yeah. they guarantee anywhere from, one to three thousand views on that actual post mm-hmm. that you 
paid for. Well, every single like and every single comment that you get, obviously if you interact with it and it continues to build more and more exposure, that's not only gonna allow Facebook to show more people, like it's because you're getting popularity, it's mm -hmm. gonna wanna show more people from the amount you're paying within that budget that you paid for. But it also, you're paying less realistically by the more followers or- and Right, because you're, you're getting followers. more for your money. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you pay a certain amount, but if you can sit there and get more interaction on the actual post, whether that be likes, yeah. comments, um, shares, that's mm -hmm. gonna sit there and pay for- Pay uh, you, technically, because exactly. you aggregate, what you're gonna do is you're gonna aggregate more, um, what's the word? Uh, you're, you're gonna aggregate more um, interaction, I guess, is like you're saying, is the best way to put it. And so therefore the interaction creates interest, interest drives conversion, right? Because interest takes people from Facebook to whatever you're referring in that form, right? Yeah. Like, so say, say you as an insurance person, you know, you post an ad about how you helped, you know, Amy C when, you know, her insurance was super high because she had such and such um, driving record, right? And so you posted uh, a testimonial ad with her review of how you helped her and you posted, a, you know, another ad with a testimonial of how you helped her, right? And then obviously the one that's gonna get more interaction is her review right, with like maybe a nice infographic with her picture, you know, maybe because they're shaking hands, doing whatever, you know, but that's an ad that you boost on Facebook for your business page, right? That's gonna get more interaction, and what that's gonna do is, you know, that, you're right, that interaction is gonna drive this and that, and if people ask questions on there, and you, you know, you respond, and you're actually, you know, Stephen Beck, blah, 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 yeah, they're gonna like that more. Yeah. Um, let's talk about what it looks like when you guys have maybe clients that reach out to you and your guys' business and are looking for your guys' services. What does that look like? Um, like as, as far as you being a service-driven business? Yeah. I mean, For instance, people that go out of their way to contact you just to like quote you or like for you to just to quote you or to, you know, hey, I just, I'm new to town and this is my insurance uh, provider and this was my old guy back in, you know, Dallas and can you be my new State Farm guy, whatever, right? Is that what you're saying? Or are you saying more like something super cold where someone is say for instance in your field someone's coming over from like Allstate or Progressive and they're saying hey I'm, I'm, I'm interested in what you have to offer or so like, I guess what do you mean by service I guess by servicing is like when you have when you guys are dealing with the different shipments that are coming in and you're obviously dealing with the distribution of the different product that's mm -hmm. coming in I guess what I, I guess what I'm truly asking is what does it look like? Like, what what services do you provide? Oh, that, like for aspect? like for instance, like if so, technically we do everything in house for us. We don't service any other brands. We don't service any other products, right? Okay. So we own all the products and we own the brand, 
and okay. we are the manufacturer, right? Okay. So that's how vertically integrated we are. But you're saying, for instance, like if uh, me as the, the manager of the warehouse, right, in my company, for instance, if we had an 8,000 square foot warehousing space that we, we also fulfilled, you know, um, FBM, Shopify, Walmart, eBay, and whatever orders, you know, at a pack doing like a, like a packing and shipping operation. Yeah. And someone contacted us and said, hey, I've got about, you know, 20,000 units of dog grooming gloves. Yeah. And uh, I want to sell them on my Shopify store. Can you fulfill my orders for me? Then, yeah, maybe we would do it if we had the space. And, and it, to be completely honest, like, we have talked about that. Yeah. Like, as a company, we have said, okay, well, shit, if we build a, you know, 10,000 square foot facility, you know, that means we have room that we can have, you know, we can sell, we can sell our services to have this person, this person, this person do this, this, and this, and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, that's cool. But then my problem is, is it turns into, well, that's another business. Yeah. Right? Like, services is a business. Products is a business. A brand is the product's business. Services is a services business, right? So it's like, even though a product's brand businesses has the service that they build within themselves to ship a product, in our example, to yeah. ship a product, if someone other than that manufacturer brand approaches them and says, hey, I want, you know, I want to do this. Can you guys do it for me? It's like, you know, more often than not, we're going to say no because we aren't a services business. Yeah. But should we start a services business? Maybe, yeah. you know. Well, the reason I bring it up, and it really just depends on the goal of the actual company, but if you already are doing the things that you're talking about and you're specialized in it, mm -hmm. and you can sit there and capture more of the market by providing that type of service that you're already familiarized for someone else that mm -hmm. maybe doesn't have the space, oh, and yeah. it generates you know, extra Welcome income. to people that write courses. Yeah. I mean, think about it, right? They go, oh, well, shit, I, I built a million dollar Amazon business because I did this, this, and this, and maybe my product was really niche, but I went in there and figured out exactly how to do it. I'm gonna write this all down into you know, SOPs, different procedures, exactly how to do it, and maybe I'm gonna have a once a week monthly coaching call with you know, these people that buy my course, and then that's gonna be in my business, and that's exactly what people do. Yeah, but the difference is, is that you're truly providing the service, because like you said, it's not like you're providing some sort of education. What you're doing is, if they need the space and you're able to ship it out for them and do the things that maybe they're not familiarized with, because they want to focus in on what then, then they're a, good at. Yeah, then a business savvy person would just start a second business. You know what I mean? It would be like, it would be like this. It would be like uh, my boss saying, okay, Jake, you're in charge of domestic logistics and blah, 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 blah. Oh, and by the way, we have company A, B, and C, and this random company named King Status. I, I think they sell shift knobs. And uh, anyways, they, they all need you know, 500 square feet of our warehouse, and they want to fulfill this many orders a day. Um, we're actually going to, you know, that's when you go, okay, rad. Um, my Umbrella LLC has all my other LLCs filed under it as the Umbrella company owning those companies. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to start another company under my umbrella company, name it this, this, and this, and have my person who does all this domestic shipping stuff for this company now transition over to running this company. His salary is going to pay through that company, which is going to take his salary off of this company 
and therefore make this company worth more money, leverage the assets of this company for loans for that company, right? And I mean, like, that's where business turns into minutia, right? Is, is then, yes, you own this parent company, but the smart business savvy person wants to branch out and create multiple businesses and turn that services into a whole nother business and grow it by itself. And that's why you have, you know, business people like myself that are very, you know, entrepreneurial or whatever you want to say and think about things that way and see like that whole thought process that I just had about that wouldn't have been Jake, you know, three and a half years ago before I started working in, you know, directly in e-commerce, not necessarily just digital, digital stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's that mentality of like, okay, how do I take this, make it independent, make it make money, make it optimized, simple, and efficient so that I can sell it for more money, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's like that mentality that, that I think is, is, is really the key, you yeah. know? Well, and I'll, we're kind of running out of time, we only got a couple more minutes here, yeah. but I was referencing to, and I'll use this as an example, because um, I deal with a lot of different landscaping companies, mm-hmm. and a, all the different companies will have their different niches on what they focus on. But you'll have some that it's like, oh, we're gonna sit there and mow lawns, do excavating, and we're gonna do uh, tree services, right? Or one's gonna do, we just do mowing and we just do irrigation. But the more things you add on, the more market that you capture, but that does come with a cost, right? Because it can mean that it creates more expenses for you mm-hmm. and it could create maybe more liability for you. But at the end of the day, there's potentially a higher profit margin and that's why someone might right. go ahead and decide to add on that extra service. And I guess that's all I meant when I was talking yeah, about. Yeah, for sure. But I think that you you have to think about it also in the aspect of like, you know, how do I make this its own little machine in my fleet of machines? So I can sell one machine and invest in a bigger machine over here or, you know what I mean? Like for me personally, like if I owned a landscaping company and wanted to do irrigation, tree servicing, lawn care, snow removal, and let's say um, curbing, mm-hmm. right? Those are like five pretty, pretty popular landscaping things, right? What I would do is I would have, you know, Edland you know, Edland Enterprises LLC or something, right? Which would be like a parent corporation that owns companies that are their own excavating company and blah, 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 and this, this, and this. And what I would do is I would say, oh yeah, we we also do that. And it's it's part of our parent company, it's our sister company. So you'd hire on own. the subcontractor, right. which would still be yourself. Exactly, yeah. like. That or just you know have it become such a big part of your business that you can build it as its own entity and then offload that entity for profit. I see what you're saying. You know what I mean? Like that's how my brain thinks of like this is how I would structure it to do this, this, and this. You know? Yeah, yeah. So definitely. and I think that that's like really what I wanted to bring to you, just because I know we we got to kind of close soon. But yeah, um, that's the biggest thing that like I was thinking about as I listened to your past episodes is I. Like I personally know the other two people just as well, you know, you probably know them a little bit better. Like I've known Scotty Hobbs in seventh grade. Like, you know, and one thing that I can say and attest to both of the individuals that you've had on so far, um, they're amazing people, 
um, very inspiring, very inspiring. Both of them are very inspiring people. But what I can say is that um, they're doing everything exactly like any like starting out business owner would do it. You know, they're they're expanding. They're doing this. They're doing that. You know, I mean, even Cassie, she was talking about. She's like, yeah, we're super stoked. We're getting our website dialed in and stuff like that. You know, we're on Etsy right now, which, you know, but she's like, but we're getting our website, you know, dialed in and figured out, blah blah, blah which is amazing because she's gonna see like how much, you know easier it's going to be for her business when she gets that website done or like scotty hop you know he's got everything in the world there but like when he said he's like oh yeah one person can run 50 of these printers i was like what the fuck? like really like that, that that made me want to go and start i mean sorry we got cut off there if you want to continue where you were at jake yeah so um i think i was just trying to bring in some closing some closing thoughts um we did get cut off at the hour Oops, bad boy life. Um, but anyways, yeah, I was I was kind of explaining uh, just how to structure businesses and like how business structure is really, you know, what it's all about for me. Because for me, the whole point, you know, of selling or of, of owning a business is to sell a business, right? Like, if at the end of the day you know, you want to pass that business down to your kids, then it's because you built such a strong brand that it makes sense to do so, right? Or you have such a legacy that it makes sense to do so. Like, especially with, like, car dealerships, you know what I mean? Like, car dealerships can get passed down through generations of, you know, my granddad opened this car dealership in 1923 right when they started making, you know, blah, blah, blah. Or it can be like, oh yeah, I own uh, 18 dealerships. I'm a dealer in six states, and blah blah blah. And I, you know, I'm building an empire, right? Like that's another thing. So business structure, and then just like mentorship. Like, you know, I have a bachelor's degree. I have a bachelor's degree from the University of Idaho in broadcasting and digital media, and <laughs> it has nothing to do with what I do now. And I would say that if you're a younger person listening to this, you're interested in business, you're between the ages of 16 and maybe 19 years old, you haven't figured out exactly what you want to do yet, um, I'd say start a business, whatever it is. What, even if it's mowing lawns, if it's you know selling origami on Etsy, whatever it is, start a business because you're going to learn a lot while you do it. And I think it makes people, you know, better, more confident, and more understanding about different parts of the world, everything from maybe taxes to customer service to you know, manufacturing problems. They have a deeper understanding of how um, people who work within a business are gonna react and how you know, just people, other, other people prefer to be treated maybe and stuff like that, so. Perfect, well I appreciate you coming on, Jake, yeah, and uh, sharing your story, For I think. Sure. Uh, there's a lot of things that I think people will maybe understand a little bit deeper that they didn't know previously. Yeah, and uh, I, I think that the biggest closing remark is just that e-commerce, um, you know, a lot of people think about e-commerce and they're like, oh yeah, uh, I ordered those CBD gummies and uh, they got delivered to my door in two days. But I'll tell you right now, most companies that either operate on Shopify 
or maybe operate as a third-party seller on Amazon, or that you know maybe operate on whatever platform they may be. There's a lot of work that goes in to make sure that you get that product in that time frame with the ease that there is and everything like that. So you know, just food for thought. Next time you order from a store or a company, just remember that there's people that run that company, not just oh. I bought it on Amazon, so Amazon makes it and sells it to me. You know, there, there, there are people that run businesses and sell their products on Amazon. So it is a thing. No yeah, thanks for sharing, Jake. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate everyone for tuning in, and I look forward to doing the next one. Talk to you guys later.